few weeks ago, uh, we started a series which I called Game Changers. And Game Changers are those situations, those circumstances in life that totally impact the direction that we're headed in and the way that we live. And if you want to uh, see a game changer over the last month, I think the 2017 elections, it was a massive, massive game changer when the leaders of the Greens, the leaders of the Labour Party and the leaders of United Future all stood down within a matter of a few weeks. I mean, up to that time, it was just a just ho-hum, same-as-usual type of um, lead-up to the elections, and then suddenly, boom, everything, everything was dif- different. And what a tumultuous few weeks that we had there. And, um, I mean, if you were a Labour Party supporter, uh, when you put the right person in the right position, it's a game-changer. And so for the Labour people, uh, when Jacinda Ardern uh, took over the running of the party... Everything was different. Actually, I liked what um, one of the top guys said. He said he was amazed how 20% of New Zealand um, changed the vote because of a pretty face. <laughs> and um, I thought, yeah, that'll be right. Same policies. Uh, but she did incredibly, incredibly, incredibly well and um, just brought a, a, a completely fresh look to the whole of the election um, setup. What a game changer that was. And I started the series with game changers, um, probably the biggest game changer of all, and that's when we realise that our Heavenly Father, uh, that God is our Heavenly Father, and that he's for us and not against us, and that we don't have to live like orphans, we can live as sons and daughters of the King. And then uh, a few weeks ago, we looked at the reality of God being with us. When we actually recognise and believe that God is with us, it will change the way that we live, especially through the storms of life. And so if you haven't heard that message, look it up on the podcast, and I'm sure it'll be a blessing to you. But today, I want to explore the fact that God has a plan for your life. It's a game changer, because when you know that you were created by God with a plan in mind. It gives us a purpose, a reason for living, and a hope for the future. I think uh, if there was ever one verse that God has written on my heart right from the time that I gave my heart to him at university, it would be Jeremiah 29.11. And I can't remember which version that I uh, learned it in. Probably at that stage I was reading the New American Standard Version. And it says, I know, in that version it says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And in the um, new, um, new International Version, it says, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You see, when you don't know that God has plan and a purpose for your life, when you don't know God's plans, then you can aimlessly drift through life and just get nowhere. Or as the great theologian Alice in Wonderland once said, if you don't know where you're headed, any road will get you there. Uh, God wants us to be motivated by his plans and his purposes for our lives. And that's where meaning and that's where significance come out of. I think there are three parts to God's general plan 
uh, for us. And the first part that I see is that God plans, he wants you to be with him forever. That's the number one thing that God's planned for your life. Uh, We have been created by God to spend eternity with him. And eternity is forever. Life here on earth is so, so, so short. If you could think of the smallest, smallest number. So zero point, as many noughts as you can think of, and a one at the end. And compare that with the largest number you can possibly think of, then that's a little bit like comparing our life on earth, our lifespan on earth compared to eternity. Our lifespan on earth, whether it is one day, one month, one year, 10 years, 100 years, is so insignificantly small compared to eternity We need to be doing everything that we can to secure our eternal future because that's what really matters. The the one sure statistic is that every one of us is going to die. And then we're going to face God for either judgment or reward. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. We plan for a lot of things in life But very often, people don't plan for the most important thing in life, and that is when we transfer from this life into eternity. Time might be short here, but it's so important because the time we spend here on earth is going to determine where we will spend eternity. You know, every time I hear it rain in here, I think of... uh, a chap who used to be part of our congregation, I'll call him Bill. And some of you will remember him. But Bill gave us the ceiling. And um, in the early days that we were in here, if it rained, we just stopped. Because you couldn't hear a thing. It was just a tin roof. And then, uh, then Bill came in and he, he, he made all of the aluminium bits and pieces and he gave us the ceiling. So, thank you, Bill. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> All right. Um, I was talking with my brother the other day, and he was uh, talking about a visit that he had to a graveyard in New Orleans. And uh, he was describing bits and pieces. And, of course, I said, oh, I've seen that. <laughs> I watch NCIS. That graveyard is always on, <laughs> on that program. But, uh, anyway, as, as kids... Um, Often we'd go into Auckland City, and uh, those of you who know old Auckland, there is a pretty decent sort of a graveyard around Grafton Bridge and Grafton Gully there. And uh, you wander around there, and, and you're looking at people's lives. You're looking at what was, and you're looking at what was on the stones, and you're looking at um, how they lived their life. And uh, I looked up on the internet, and there was a inscription on a European graveyard that went like this. It said, pause now, stranger, as you pass by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, soon you'll be. Prepare yourself to follow me. And uh, some person had written on a piece of wood next to the grave, uh, they'd written, 
To follow you, I'm not content until I know the way you went. <laughs> and I thought that was, um, that was pretty good. But we live in a world where most people are dying and going to a godless eternity. Uh, the vast majority of people in this world don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They don't give God pleasure. They don't have peace. They don't have everlasting life. And they don't have abundant life. And their lives are being wasted. They're going in the, they're going in the wrong direction. I remember in our old house at um, Ramanga Heights, uh, attempting one day to fix one of the aluminium um, windows. The, P, the, um, the rivets and the PKs had come out of that. And so I bought a brand new drill and I got my drill bits out and I thought, right, on these broken PKs, I'm just going to drill them out. They're only aluminium. And I drilled and drilled and drilled. I broke a bit and went, got another one. I drilled, I drilled. After about 15 minutes, I figured there's something wrong here. And then I realized that I had my brand new drill in reverse. <laughs> None of you guys have ever done that, I know. <laughs> yeah. But when you're going in reverse, you can't get anything done. When you're going in reverse, <laughs> the drill certainly won't drill anything out. And many people in life are just heading in the wrong direction. Uh, Romans 3.23 says, Every one of us has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, You know, you've sinned. That's everybody. Mother Teresa has sinned. My wife has sinned. Every one of us have sinned. And in Romans 6.23 it says, The wages of sin is death. In other words, because we have sinned, we deserve to die. We deserve to have eternal death. But, it says, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He so loved the world that he gave Jesus Christ. He made a way for us to have forgiveness of sin. Jesus died for us. He took the punishment for our sin. And if we want to be turned around, if we want to be saved from the consequences of our sin, if we want to get our lives on the right direction, then we need to acknowledge that we're sinners and need a saviour. And we need to ask Jesus to come into our lives and forgive us of our sin. Because he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved. And when Jesus comes into our life, guys, we just have that assurance of salvation. Uh, we have peace within when I ask Jesus to come into my life, it's like someone just turned the lights on. All at once, suddenly everything was different. Out of that decision to ask Jesus Christ to come into our lives comes destiny, comes meaning in life, comes hope, comes peace, come direct, comes direction. I mean, why wouldn't you want God's plan for your life? I think, secondly... God wants us to live life to the full. Uh, John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. That verse tells us that we are in a battle and the enemy wants to steal your full, abundant life that Jesus Christ died to give us. It's, it's so easy to get distracted in life. I remember a month and a half ago, 
uh, having a really busy day, and I was heading up to the hospital to visit uh, one of our parishioners. And eventually, when I did get up to her, um, the, the lady was so pleased to see me. She said, oh, she said, Pastor Don. And she said to the person who was, um, who was there in the room, oh, this is my senior pastor. And I said, hold on a minute. The only, the only time I come up and visit people at the hospital is when they're dying. She laughed. And uh, we had a great time of um, just joking and just encouraging and fantastic time. But in getting up there, I was in the ute and I thought, right, I need to get some, need to get some diesel. So stopped off at the BP station on the way there, uh, jumped out in a hurry, put the hose in, started filling it up. And about 30 litres later, I realised that I just filled the ute up with petrol instead of diesel. Fortunately, fortunately, I was able to call the guys from Union Car Spares, and they came, towed the, the vehicle. I didn't start it up. Towed the vehicle to their um, workshop. They had to take the, the um, tank out, the fuel tank out, and completely clean the whole thing out. I felt such an idiot. I felt so dumb. <laughs> and then I spoke to the um, person at the um, counter, and she said, oh, there'll be another three people who'll do that before, before we close tonight. <laughs> and and I, didn't, I didn't feel so bad. <laughs> and then the, uh, the, manag the manager of the, um, of the workshop that I went to, uh, he, he said, oh, I've done that before as well. So I was feeling a little bit bad, but still absolutely stupid. But the reality is, they say, when you get distracted... You can do stupid stuff. When you get distracted, you get off track and you just let things slide. And when you get distracted in life, when you get distracted so your focus isn't on God but it's on lots and lots of other things, then it's easy to get stuck. It's easy to fill your life up with stuff that you shouldn't be filling your life up with. I like what Stephen had to say, actually, um, uh, last time he spoke, when he said that religion is sitting in church thinking about other things, whereas relationship is doing other things thinking about God. And I thought, man, that was good. I wonder where he got that from. <laughs> Keep your focus on God. We, we aren't in heaven yet. Uh, we're living in a world that's falling apart. Bad things can happen to good people, but God is with us. And as we saw a couple of weeks, he's with us even in the storms of life. God's got a great plan for our life, and Jesus wants to us to enjoy that life to the full. So when we start focusing on ourselves instead of God, we open the door for the enemy to sow life stealers into our life. Some people have lives filled with guilt. They spend their lives running from regrets and shame. They are manipulated by their memories. They allow the past to control their future. And sometimes even a great past, people, can hold us back. It's like steering a boat, always looking back. I mean, looking back can be good because it shows us how far we've come but at some stage, we have to stop looking back and start looking forward. Uh, we are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. 
A God is bigger than your past. If he can take a murderer like Moses, if he can take a persecutor like Saul, if he can take a blasphemer and denier of Christ like Peter and make them leaders of his people, just shows you how bad leaders are, uh, then he can do amazing things with the rest of us. Uh, Psalm 32 verse 1 says this, What happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. What relief for those who have confessed their sin and God has cleared their record. So if your life is filled with guilt this morning, it doesn't have to be. Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. Some people allow their lives to be filled with anger and resentment. They hold on to hurts, they never let them go, and instead of releasing their pain through forgiveness, they rehearse it over and over and over again. I'm an avid cricket fan, golf fan, sports fan, uh, and if you ever watch the one-day cricket competitions or even the test matches, when there is a catch taken or when there is um, an LBW decision about to be made, they go into slow-mo and they repeat that again and again and again. And so you might see this guy diving for the ball and, you know, when his elbow hits the ground, the ball pops out and he drops the catch. Well, they show you that over and over and over again. I'm thinking, hey, I hope that guy doesn't watch the highlights reel because he's going to see himself dropping that catch about six or seven times. But the reality is that's what we are like. We play back our hurts, our resentments, our anger. We play them over and over and over and over again instead of letting them go and letting Jesus Christ come in and letting him touch us Heal us, give us his peace. People become prisoners of the offense. Even when the offenders moved on, Job said, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless, senseless thing to do. And that's right. Some people are just worrying themselves to death. But Jesus died to set us free. And set us free from the prison of unforgiveness. People can fill their life with worry and fears and insecurities. And their fears, whatever they have been caused by, fear-driven people often miss great opportunities because they're afraid to step up and step out. Instead, they play it safe, avoiding risks, trying to maintain their status quo. If I was led and driven by my fears, I'd never be going to Germany. I'd be staying at home. It's much more safer, it's much more comfortable. But God's got a call on your life. And part of that call means that you're going to be doing things that are bigger than what you can do by yourself without the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit working through you. If your dream is a dream that you can do by yourself, then it's too small. I love to hear David Pierce, who we're going to minister with and to, uh, and his story about going and living in the red light district in Amsterdam. And I'm thinking, wow, what an amazing passion. What an amazing dream. What, how fantastic that was for him to step out. thing is, if he had held on to his fears, 
He never would have done it. And thousands and thousands of people would never, ever have got saved. I think of my uh, oldest boy, Pete, heading off after he left school, heading off to Sydney to go to Hillsong Bible College. I remember at the airport, my other son, Stephen, crying when Pete left. And when we talked to him afterwards about why he was crying, it was evident that Stephen thought that Pete wasn't very worldly wise and that Pete would get eaten up. <laughs> and that was partially true. <laughs> and did, he get, did Pete ever get ripped off? Sure did. Sure did. Cost them tens of thousands of dollars from time to time. But you know, God's call in his life and God's enabling resulted in him being able to do things that he never would have been able to do in his own strength. And when we look back and we see Pete living that abundant life that God called him and planned and purposed for him to live, it never would have happened if he, ta if he hadn't taken that first step and said, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to step out. I'm going to take a chance on God. Fear is a self-imposed prison that will keep you from becoming what God intends you to be. If you're a fearful person, then you need to move against your fears with the weapons of faith and love. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us power and love and a sound mind. In fact, in 1 John 4, 18, in the message version, it says this. It says, well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. You know, I see other people who are really insecure in life and insecurity leads for a need of approval from others. And they allow the expectations of parents and spouses and children and teachers and friends to control their life. I don't know all the keys to success, people, but I know one sure key to failure is to try to please everybody. You can't do it. At some stage, you've got to go with what God is calling you to do. Jesus came to give us life to the full. And in the light of eternity, life to the full is a bonus. But it's also a measuring stick. If I'm going through a hard time, when I'm under attack, I think, okay, what area am I being robbed of? What do I need to do to take hold of that abundant life that Jesus Christ died so that I could have? Are there chains that need to be broken in my life? Do I need to adjust my thinking or my lifestyle or my direction? Uh, I know I can trust Jesus with every area of my life. So if I'm not experiencing that abundant life, then there must be something out of kilter. Great verses that just sort of encapsulate that thought. Proverbs 3.5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lead not unto your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Another great verse, Proverbs 21.1, which says the heart of a king is like streams of water in the hands of the Lord. He directs it wherever he pleases. In other words, if you've got your heart in his hand, he can change the direction of your life. You don't have to worry about that. Keep your heart in his hand. 
And that's the safest place that it can possibly be. Third thing that I see, third of God's plans for your life is that God wants us to use the talents he has given us to bring as many people with us as possible into eternity. Every person here has talents. We have been created uniquely and purposefully with a specific design plan and purpose in mind. When Penny and I built our house, we had a plan. We went through that plan. We said, this is the type of house that we want. This is how we want it to look. Well, God didn't think, oh, I think I'll create Yaron. All right. Oh, that's a bit of a blob. Oh, well, that'll do. That'll do. He'll be right. No. God, when he created us, he had a plan. When he made us, he was specific. And he made us differently as well. And he made us differently because God's not boring. God's not boring. We are different because he's got different plans. He's got different purposes. He's got different ways of reflecting his love and his acceptance and his forgiveness. I liken it, people, to a stained glass window, uh, which you see in, in old churches. When the light shines through that, the white light shines through that, out the other side, there is reds and yellows and greens and blues and orange. And we're like that. We're reflecting the light of the love of God through us in a way that is absolutely unique. Whatever you've trained for, whatever you do for a job, whether you're a lawyer or a doctor or a builder or a homemaker or a mother or a musician or a teacher, whatever you're passionate about, ask yourself, how is what I am and what I have been gifted to do, how does that fit into God's great master plan of redeeming humanity and bringing them back to himself? How do you fit into all of that? I, like, I really like what Rick Warren has to say on this whole area of um, giftings and working out uh, God's plan and purposes in our life. And he basically said, hey, we are all shaped differently. And he's taken the word shape uh, to describe those areas that are really, really important for us to look at when we're deciding um, what we should be being involved in. S, standing for spiritual gifts. What has God supernaturally gifted me to do? H, heart. What do I have a passion for and love to do? For instance, you might be gifted to teach. But, I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean teach in church, teach out in the community? Does it mean teach kids? Does it mean teach intermediate school? Does it mean teach high school? Does it mean teach adults? Okay, so what's your heart? What's your passion? Uh, Penny is gifted in teaching. But her passion is kids. That's why she's done Bible in school for how many years? 32 years. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I reckon you need to give Penny a hand for that. Abilities. What natural talents do you have? I love music. I love singing. I got a useless voice. I'm not going to be leading the singing up here. I'm not naturally gifted for it. Hey, I just love watching um, America's Got Talent and programs like that. 
to see all the failures. <clears throat> Sometimes, yeah, that's pretty mean, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you haven't got the most compassionate senior pastor here. <clears throat> but the, rea- the reality is, nobody told these ones that they can't sing. Nobody told them. You know, at times we have to speak the truth in love and say, hey, that's not your gifting. <laughs> that's, don't waste your time. Don't, don't do a university degree in music um, specialising in vocals if you can't sing, if you haven't got the pipes. God's created you specifically with things to do. So if he didn't create you with good vocals, he's not calling you to be a vocalist. Find out what your abilities are. Personality. Where does my personality best suit me to serve? No, I won't comment on that. <laughs> I was going to get myself into a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. Those of you who know me know that there is a little, there's a bit of a wicked side to me. And... Um, I, rem- I remember um, sitting, about, uh, sitting about in the third row there, there was two lovely old ladies in, um, who were just really, really precious. I just loved them. Uh, and they were in their 90s at this stage. And I remember before church, I went up to one of them and I said, gosh, your wrinkles are deep enough to drive a four-wheel drive through. <laughs> Man, that's a heart of compassion coming from the senior minister. <laughs> she stood up and she went like this, <laughs> trying to whack me. And then she just gave me the biggest hug you could ever imagine. <laughs> People's personalities have a big impact in the way that God can use them. All right. Where does my personality best suit me to serve? And then E for experiences. What spiritual experiences have I had? What painful experiences have I had? Just, just on that one, in Isaiah, it talks about trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord. It talks about people who are in mourning, people who are suffering, people who have been downtrodden, but then it talks about them becoming trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. It talks about them being the ones who will restore the city, who will rebuild the broken walls. And one of the great verses in the Bible is in Romans where it says that God can work all things together for good. So if you have had traumatic situations in your life, if you have been unfortunate enough to experience great grief, if you have been really, really let down, if you have been hurt very, very badly, you know, God can use those experiences by getting you alongside people who are going through that right now so that you can help encourage them, so that you can say, hey, look, I've got through it. God has been with me all the way. I might have been walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but Jesus was with me. And I got through, and so can you. So look for those experiences that you had, because God will use them. I like what Rick Warren says. He says, your ministry will be most effective and fulfilling when you are using your gifts and abilities in the area of your heart's desire in a way that best expresses your personality and experience. Let me say that again. 
Your ministry will be most effective and fulfilling when you are using your gifts and abilities in the area of your heart's desire in a way that best expresses your personality and experience. Ask God. God, what are you up to in the world today? How is the way that you have wired me up fit into what you are doing? Because God wants us to have a purpose in every step. And he wants us to outwork those things that he has given us in love. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, you can put aside the whole of that shape side of things. And no matter how good that is, could you do one loving act of kindness to someone in your neighborhood? Are you capable of doing that? Because if you can do that, my Bible tells me that people will know that we are Christians by our love. I just want to read you a um, little letter that we got, and I, I'm reading this out to you to, to basically pat you on the back. But basically, this is to the um, Whangarei Church Unlimited. Just thought you should know how crazy awesome you are. From Shelley. She says, and I won't read all of it, she says, I fellowshiped here between the months of March and May 2017. Sat down the back of church. I was in Whangarei because my son had a massive mental breakdown and became part of the unit at Whangarei Hospital. We live in Matai Bay, Kerry Kerry Peninsula, far north. I walked through your doors Sunday after Sunday with a heart in need of comfort, with tears that wouldn't stop flowing, seeking the presence of our God who never fails us and reassures us that he was right there in the middle of all that was happening. I came seeking hope, peace, love in the face of each of you. I shared with some over the weeks in your church who, um, who and why I was there and was constantly amazed that every time I came, you remembered my son and, um, and were praying for him. Thank you so much for any, everything. Love, Shelley and son. We don't know who walks through our doors. We don't know the problems that people have got. We don't know their situations in lives. We don't know the struggles, but it just takes 30 seconds to ask someone, how are you going? Hey, I haven't met you before. And just connect and just find out people's stories and just love and see what God will do because he's the one who loved us so much that he gave us his only son. Let's have the musicians. Run out of time this morning. Let me just finish with a couple of thoughts. There are different hours in our life. 
There are times and seasons in our life for everyone. Uh, you think of Jesus' life. First 30, 30 years he prepared. We hardly know anything about what he did. Next three years he preached. Then he went to the cross. He had different periods. Uh, let me just talk very briefly to young mums. Your ministry and your availability for ministry while you've got young children is so different to what it'll be in later years. Um, Penny, what Penny did uh, when we had two boys at home uh, was so different to what she's doing now and she's gone through various stages depending on what the time of life was. In, in my situation, I mean, I worked 17 years for New Zealand Dairy. And that time of ministry was quite different to the next five or six years when I was an assistant pastor. And that is so different to when we shifted up here and I became the senior minister. There are times and seasons in life. And the next decade for me, no doubt, will be quite a lot different than the previous uh, decade. I find that um, over the last decade, I've spent more and more and more and more time helping younger pastors. And some of the young guys in our city who are doing a great job are going through really, really, really hard times. And they need fathers in the faith to encourage them. And I couldn't do what I am doing now unless you were doing what you're doing and releasing me to be part of God's great plan to increase his kingdom. Amen? You're a part of that. And you... If you just appreciate that a lot of the stuff I'm involved in, I can't share. Because when you're dealing with one-on-one -on -one situation, when you're dealing with other church leaders, I can't bring it to you. But I just want to say, hey, this has always been a church that has spearheaded, that has brought breakthroughs to the body of Christ in Whangarei. And that continues. That continues every month, every year. I think there are four levels of Christian involvement in life and in the marketplace. There are those people who are just trying to survive. There are those that apply biblical principles to their work. There are those that do their work in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. There are those that are committed to transformation in their workplace. I think of those four levels, probably uh, when I look back at my time with New Zealand Dairy, I was probably operating at level three. I was moving in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. But wherever you are, Whatever you see as your situation, your circumstances, look to go to the next level. Let me just repeat those again. There are those that are trying to survive. Number two, there are those that apply biblical principles to their work, to their life. Three, there are those that do their work and their life in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And number four, there are those that are committed to transformation of their workplace and of their, their neighborhood and of their city. Okay. God wants to anoint you for breakthrough in your situation and your circumstances. Why don't you just stand with me this morning? We're all called to know Jesus and to make him known.